0: This is the NC everything podcast, a show where we talk about everything that has anything to do with North Carolina. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 49 of the show. I'm your host, Curtis. And today, we are talking about lighthouses. This is a listener suggestion from Kristen in Greensboro. And uh, she, said, has, she has suggested several episodes. She's probably my most uh, my, my most avid listener. And I do appreciate the suggestions. And I appreciate the listenership. I'm going to get right into it here. Because there was a lot of research on this subject. And so it could be a long episode. I'm not sure how this is going to play out. Um, I do want to say that... Like Kristen, if you want to suggest a show, you can do that at com And there you can find the links to contact me and you can listen to all my past episodes. And that's enough of that for right now. Let's go ahead and get into it. So, lighthouses. Um, the whole point of a lighthouse is to mark something dangerous in the water. Sh- ships see the... If I say ships a lot in here and it sounds like shit, I don't mean to. But ships... Uh, they would see the lighthouse and know that, uh, okay, well, there's something up here and, um, it would take them maybe a few passes. They would kind of learn the route and a lot of ship people, ship folks, sailors, I don't know. I'm half asleep guys. I'm sorry. I've been, uh, been at work since three o'clock this morning. A lot of sailors would kind of know the, the route they would take. So they would see the lighthouse and, and, uh, they would know what the danger is and how to avoid it. But before we get too deep into it, um, I think I need to explain why why North Carolina needs lighthouses. Now there's lighthouses on the west coast too, and there's lighthouses all along the Atlantic coast, but North Carolina is a, is a really special place uh, along the coast, a really treacherous place. Um, I'm sure some of you have heard of the graveyard of the Atlantic, um, and that's right along the North Carolina coast. And, um, I think it might go into Virginia some, but it's right in this area. It's called the graveyard of the Atlantic cause thousands, um, thousands of ships have sank out there. And I'm not talking about the past 50 years. I'm talking about in the past 400 years, 500 years. Um, there's a, a bunch, a bunch of ships sunk right off the North Carolina coast well, we have this thing called Shoals. Now, again, I think other states have Shoals. That's a S-H-O-A-L-S, but a Shoal is essentially a sandbar. It's just a, a bigger sandbar, pretty much. Um, to be considered a Shoal, it typically has to be a sandbar that's less than thirty feet, 33 feet below the surface of the water. And uh, there's some Shoals in North Carolina. I'm going to talk about one in particular that is less than 3 feet underwater in some places. So you can imagine a ship coming through there. And I am not sure what a ship displaces, but let's say 8 10 12 feet in the water and you're going through, you know, 40 feet of water and all of a sudden you're in 3 feet of water. Um that's for the old wooden ships. A lot of times that was the end of your ship. So the way a a, a shoal forms and and I'm not going to talk about shoals very long, otherwise i just call them sandbar because I don't like the word shoals. It's uh, My mouth doesn't want to make that word, I guess. But when a shoal, the way a shoal is formed, is imagine a wave crashing. When you go down the beach, you can hear it, you can see it, the wave crashes. Well, when the wave crashes onto that sand, it makes kind of like a trough, um, like a little ditch. Now, the more the waves crash into that ditch, it keeps eating that trough out. Well, some of the sand goes up to the beach, and, or toward the shore and some of it comes offshore and so you know when the wave crashes it's going to go one of two or both ways well that's the beginning of a shoal now what goes toward shore obviously that goes onto to the beach and you know that changes you know you get up in the mornings when you're done at the beach and it looks a little different than it did the day before um you know it changes the format of the beach and maybe i'm over explaining this but i wrote it down so damn it i'm saying it but the waves that the, the sand that goes out um you know that forms the the essentially a sandbar now the reason those those sandbars don't typically get above water is because as they reach a certain height the wave comes along and crashes on it and just kind of shears the top off of it and so typically it, it stays under the water where you you can't really see it that good now it was actually one of these these shoals these sandbars that destroyed the queen anne's revenge which of course is the ship belonging to edward teach or blackbeard and I covered Blackbeard in episode 6 of the podcast, if you're interested. The Carol A. Deering was also found abandoned and stuck on a shoal, And uh, that was a pretty good mystery, actually. I covered it in episode 2. Now, going back to Blackbeard times for just a second, uh, one of Blackbeard's crew members, which I didn't cover in my episode, but his name was Steed Bonnet. Now, he, uh, he had a famous run-in with a sandbar. So, pretty much, a guy named William Rett was sent out ...to find Blackbeard. Well, he ran into this guy, uh, Steed Bonnet, instead. Now, this is uh, right around Southport, you know, in the Cape Fear River. Well, it was up in the Cape Fear where Bonnet was pretty much laying low... ...trying to keep hidden. Well, he heard that that Colonel Rhett was coming after him. Um, so, he knew that he had to get the hell out of there. Well, eventually, Colonel Rhett got into the mouth of the Cape Fear. So, Bonnet knew that his only escape was to try to get past uh, Rhett. Anyway... He goes, uh, Rhett has two ships, by the way. So Bonnet tries to go out of the mouth of the river. He gets stuck on a sandbar. But at the same time, almost at the same time, Colonel Rhett's ship also gets stuck on a sandbar. And so these two ships, not only are they stuck on the sandbars, but they're cocked at such a way. And so um, they're kind of cocked away from each other. So they can't shoot at each other with the cannons. I think there was some pistol fire, but mainly they just sit there and for a few hours and talk shit to each other because they had to wait for the tide to come in so their ships would float again uh, because it was low tide. Unfortunately for Bonnet, it was Ritz's ship that started floating first, and Bonnet was captured and taken to Charleston where he was hanged. And he might have avoided that fate if it wasn't for those damn pesky sandbars, or shoals, I should say. Now, if you're still here listening, I appreciate uh, you enduring that, that deviation. Oh, I guess it wasn't a deviation, but anyway, like I said, it's been a long day. I'm just trying to give you a good episode. I hope I'm doing a good job. So who's in charge of these lighthouses? That's the next thing. Well, first of all, before there was lighthouses, well, that's debatable, but there used to be light ships. um, And these were pretty much floating lighthouses, or they were ships with uh, signal lights on them. Anyway, the light ships used to be overseen by the U.S. Treasury Treasury Department. That was until 1852. And then this thing called the Lighthouse Board took over control. Well, the U.S. Lighthouse Service replaced the Lighthouse Board in 1910. And finally, of Lighthouses was taken over by the U.S. Coast Guard in 1939. And I'm not sure why it changed hands so much, but I will say these lighthouses are, are critical. I mean, very critical. Um, if you go to Google right now and, and Google uh, Graveyard of the Atlantic and click Images, I'm sure there's several in there that will blow you away. It's just dotted with shipwrecks. So uh, I can't stress enough how crucial these lighthouses are. And so with that amount of stressful responsibility, I'm sure not a whole lot of people want the the job of not only building these lighthouses, but making sure they're working properly. So anyway, let's let's talk about light ships before we talk about the lighthouses. Now, light ships, they work just like lighthouses do. They would take a ship and, and take it out toward the hazard, you know, on a shoal or near a shoal. And this ship would anchor, or a lot of times they had two anchors. And then, of course, it would have uh, lights on board, or it would have signal horns, and it would have bells. It would have multiple ways of signaling uh, the hazard. Now, it wouldn't go constantly like a lighthouse does now, but it would sit out there, crew would, they'd keep a lookout, they see a ship coming, and, and they'd let off the signal, you know, to let this oncoming ship know that there's danger here. Now, there wasn't a distinct cutoff between light ships and lighthouses. They certainly existed at the same time. In fact, a lot of times where they couldn't put a lighthouse, they would just take a light ship out there because, you know, it floats. You know, you don't have to worry about uh, getting it um, steady and, and anchoring it down. And we'll talk about how they anchored lighthouses in a minute. But uh, So they, they did run in conjunction there for a while. The thing about the light ships is they had a designation, official designation, like LV, WAL, or WVL. And they were numbered sequentially in order in the order that they were built. And so you would literally have uh, a lightship one, two, three, and so on. Another thing, because these floating lighthouses were portable, they would typically have the name of the hazard printed on the side of the ship, not some pretty name like Jenny. So uh, you would see a lightship at Diamond Shoals, and on both sides of the ship it would say Diamond Shoals. Now, the last thing I will say about the lightships. Is they weren't your your regular old boat. These things were built to to withstand hurricanes and and just constant uh, beating from the waves and the salt water and the salt air. Um, this wasn't some yacht or fishing vessel. These were like tanks of the water, essentially. Like I said, they they meant to get the hell beat out of them, and because of that, um, a lot of them survived. I mean, they you know I think there's some there's some records of of some of them sinking, but. Most of them were retired with, with no problems. Now, before I move on, I will run down a list of the, the light ships. Um, in my notes, I have years of operation, too. Um, I'm not even going to read all that. I'm just going to run the list down real quick. There was light ships at Brant Island, Cape Lookout Shoal, Diamond Shoal, Frying Pan Shoal, Harbor Island, Horseshoe Shoal, Long Shoal, Noose River, Nine Foot Shoal, Ocracoke Channel, Roanoke Island, Roanoke River, Royal Shoal, and Wade's Point Shoal. And that is a lot of times saying the word shoal. And like I said earlier, that that word seems like it's hard for me to say. I don't know what's going on. But uh, hopefully I won't have to say it but a few more times. Now, let's uh, quit talking about boats and start talking about houses. More specifically, I want to talk about North Carolina's very first lighthouse. Now, I've heard this is debatable because there were um, structures with lights on them from time to time, temporarily or whatever. But officially... I guess officially, North Carolina's first lighthouse was established at Cape Fear on December 23rd, the day before Christmas Eve, 1794. Now, that lighthouse was destroyed many, many years ago, and with the exception of a, I think it's a painting or like a wood carving, uh, really, nobody really knows for sure what this lighthouse looked like. There are journals and diaries, diaries, diaries where people uh, have described it. But there's no hardcore evidence of what this this lighthouse looked like. So, the way it goes is, by the second half of the 18th century, the Cape Fear River had become a a principal port of entry for North Carolina. And, I mean, talking about like a, a super highway, you know what I mean? Now, dozens of lighthouses were coming into American harbors, but there were none in North Carolina. So, the General Assembly commissioned the first lighthouse in 1784. Construction of this lighthouse didn't begin until 1790. Well, supposedly they don't know who, they don't know who built this lighthouse, but they do know that when he reached uh, an elevation of 46 feet or, you know, 46 feet high, he died. The, the builder did. Well, they needed somebody to finish this lighthouse. So they essentially put a, a, a wanted ad out. Um, and it was really calling for somebody to come finish this damn lighthouse Well, eventually, somebody took them up on the offer, and the lighthouse, the Cape Fear lighthouse, was finished in 1794. Now, a lot of um, more dedicated people than myself have done some research, and and a lot of research, and they've found a description of of this lighthouse, and I kind of want to run that down for you. So, the lighthouse sat on a base that was four feet deep, and it was pretty much straight, the walls were straight up for 20 feet and three inches. At that point, it took the form of a pyramid. Now, I don't think that it went all the way up to a point, but it did go up to the height of 64 feet, and at that point, that's where the the lantern was placed. Now, before this lighthouse was built, and as for the location, uh, a map shows that this lighthouse was at the most extreme west point of Bald Head Island. Now, for a long time, the Charleston lighthouse that was built in 1768 was the south's first lighthouse, and it was also the tallest but when this cape fear lighthouse was built it became the tallest now what happened to it well um you know how i was talking about beaches changing well inlets uh they changed too now the inlets if you imagine the outer banks the inlets are literally the little gaps in the outer banks where you can get in and out to the interior or to the mainland well these these inlets they changed Well, around 1761, there was a hurricane, and it caused a a, a new inlet to open up around Cape Fear. And long story short, um, there was a ton of bad erosion around this Cape Fear lighthouse. And by the summer of 1813, the Collector of Customs at Wilmington ordered the lighthouse dismantled. I guess because, you know, it was just really getting unsafe, and they wanted to use the parts of that lighthouse to build a new lighthouse. In fact, they used 600,000 bricks off the Cape Fear Lighthouse to build a better lighthouse about a mile away. And that lighthouse still stands today and carries the nickname Old Baldy. Now, if you've never heard of that, I'm going to get into that in a a few minutes. Because now, I'm going to run you through um, most of the the lighthouses we've had in North Carolina. I do want to warn you, I I did a lot of research on this. Um, It was kind of a headache, no offense Kristen. But I did a lot of research, and some of these lighthouses, I just honestly couldn't find much information on. I will give you what I got. Now, some of them, there's extensive information, and some of it, um, I can tell you when it was built, and when it was lit, and maybe when it was destroyed. So, um, just wait and see. Now, these aren't in any particular order, just how the how I researched them. But uh, if you pay attention, I'll give you the year that they were built and all that. And we're going to start out with Old Baldy, which I mentioned a little while ago. Now, this uh, lighthouse is the oldest standing lighthouse in North Carolina. Now, first, I want to say that it's called Old Baldy because it's on Bald Head Island. But the reason I say it's the oldest standing uh, lighthouse in North Carolina because the oldest lighthouse in operation is Ocracoke. So Old Baldy is the oldest one standing, but it's not in operation anymore. So this year, Old Baldy is 204 years old. And in 204 years, it's never changed the way it looks or its location. Now, keep in mind when I say it's never changed its location, that comes to play with a, a different lighthouse. Now, if you hadn't put two and two together, you know, the original lighthouse kind of looked after the, the entrance to Cape Fear River. Well, that's what Old Baldy did. It was only a mile away from the, the original Cape Fear lighthouse. Now, Old Baldy, it's built out of red brick. But back in the day, uh, the lighthouse keeper would uh, paint it white every couple of years. It was deactivated in 1935 and abandoned. Now, during the Civil War, and the Civil War, I'm going to bring that up a, a lot during uh, this podcast because uh, the, the lighthouses were a big target during the Civil War. But anyway, during the Civil War, they, they built Fort Holmes. It was an earthwork fort, and uh, old body was was encompassed in the earthwork fort, Fort Holmes. Now, during the Civil War, they, they didn't light it. They kept it dark, mainly because uh, they didn't want to really help the enemy out. But also, they didn't want the enemy to try to take it over or destroy it. In World War II, the lighthouse was used as a radio beacon. And the lighthouse is open to the public today. Now, if you're willing to ride a ferry over to Bald Head Island, um, you can see it. I've never been there because I'm actually terrified of, of ferries. Now, I don't mind admitting that to you, but um, years and years ago, I don't remember if it was in North Carolina, but a ferry capsized and all the cars slid off into water. A bunch of people died. And um, I was just a kid. I remember hearing about that. But... uh I have ridden a ferry before my life, before this incident, but that uh kind of made me phobic. I haven't been on a ferry since, and the thought of being on a ferry, um, I don't know, just like I said, it terrifies me. But if you're down around Bald Head Island and you're willing to ride a ferry, you're definitely welcome to uh to go see this lighthouse. Now, anything on this podcast, I talk about anything you might want to go see. I definitely recommend getting online and looking for open hours and stuff like that because I would hate for you guys to go way down here to Bald Head Island and take that scary ass ferry and then find out that it's closed for the day. And let's see a few details about it uh specs they say it's 110 feet tall the walls are five feet thick it's on an octagon base and there's 108 steps to get to the top and that sounds horrible too um I'm not in the greatest shape, and I I don't like steps, though I I do take a lot of them. By the way, I'm going to be going through these these lighthouses. Um, They're not all in the same format order. I just kind of throw the research in there as I found it. So each of them will be kind of unique. Now, let's go to Ocracoke. Like I said, it's North Carolina's oldest operational lighthouse. It is 65 foot tall, and it's the smallest lighthouse on the outer banks. But don't let the size fool you. The light from Ocracoke can be seen 14 miles away. Now, Ocracoke is also an island, and I imagine you probably have to take a ferry to get to it. So, do you think I've seen it? No, I've not seen Ocracoke. But I actually would love to go to Ocracoke Island because there's a lot of history there. Um, If you remember from my Blackbeard episode, that's where Blackbeard, uh, that's kind of where his hideout was. He had a house in, in Bath, but his hideout was on Ocracoke Island. And it was not far from Ocracoke where he was attacked and killed. But there are dangerous shoals around around Ocracoke. And so in 1794, they built uh, like a wooden pyramid-shaped tower. Uh, and this was on a, a neighboring sandbar called Shell Island. But like I've mentioned a couple times before, sand moves. And so with the sand moving, uh, the deeper part of the channel moved. And so maritime traffic kind of started going a different way. So that wooden lighthouse uh, was of no use anymore. Well, in 1822, the government bought two acres on Ocracoke Ocracoke Island for $50, and they decided to make a better lighthouse there. They built it in only a year. Remember, it's the smallest one on the Outer Banks. And that year was 1823. And that lighthouse is still there today. Aha, yes. I forgot I put this in my notes, but it is a 40-minute ferry ride across Hatteras Inlet. So, no thank you for me, but you are welcome to go. I did add a note that I found that said there there is no gift shop or museum or information on or information center on site and they said there's not a whole lot of parking um if you want to explore they say you should do it on foot or on a bicycle now probably one of the more famous lighthouses you'll see on most every um postcard in fact i've seen models of this lighthouse in people's yard and i'm several hours from the ocean this lighthouse is cape hatteras now cape hatteras is just off a shoal called diamond shoals now, diamond shoals are they're pretty famous shoals, or infamous for being uh, treacherous, because the water there is constantly moving around, so the shoals are too. Well, this lighthouse first began operating in 1802. During the Civil War, the island was occupied by federal troops, and they camped around the lighthouse and eventually found themselves forced to defend it because the Confederates wanted to blow it up. Now, this, like I said, is going to come up a few times during this rundown, um... The thing about it, yeah, it was a southern lighthouse, but again, you don't want to help the enemy out. And if it's bound to, I guess, be destroyed anyway, wouldn't you want to destroy it? I guess that's the, the mindset is we're going to either darken it or destroy it because we're not trying to help the enemy. Hope that makes sense. Well, they probably should have blew it up because a lot of people were complaining that, that this tower wasn't tall enough and it didn't give an early enough warning for the shoals there. And so after the war, in December of 1870, the new lighthouse at Cape Hatteras was lit for the first time. And this is the, the famous one with the black and white. There's several black and whites, but uh, this is the famous one. Now this one took over two years to build, and it cost $155,000. Those black and, white, black and white stripes I mentioned were painted on in 1873. And it is 208 feet tall, so it's the tallest lighthouse in the United States. But there was a problem around, around Hatteras, and that was erosion. By 1936, the waves were already touching the base of the lighthouse. So the lighthouse service had no choice but to close it. And she stayed closed for 14 years. But in 1950, the lighthouse was restored. Now, for the next 50 years, they kept trying to reinforce the shore and, and slow down or even stop this erosion. They put up concrete bunkers, uh, they built a seawall, they did all kinds of stuff. And nothing was really helping. Well, in 1999, they decided, and this sounds crazy, but they did it, they decided they were going to move the entire lighthouse. They were going to lift it right off its foundation and move it 1,600 feet away from the ocean. Now, the first time I ever went to go see Hatteras was during this time. And I remember the moving of the lighthouse was really big news. It was uh, They had updates every morning, you know. So when my mom and dad drove us down to see it, I'm sure they were aware that it was in the process of being moved. So we couldn't get right up on it because... Obviously, moving a, a moving the tallest lighthouse in the country um, comes with its dangers, but we were able to see it, and I don't know. For me, it was cool to see the the operation going on, because what they did, if I remember right, is they they lifted this, they jacked this lighthouse up, and put like a a train car, well not a typical train car, but like they put this trolley underneath it and set the lighthouse down on it, and they built tracks and moved this lighthouse you know where it had to go but the thing was that it wasn't like they hooked up a John Deere tractor and took off this thing was moving I mean I didn't look it up I'm sorry but it was moving you know a few feet per day maybe maybe it may have been inches I mean this was a really really slow process but they they got it in place and uh I've actually been to see it since in it's new place and I don't think I went up in it that day it was closed but uh I got right up close and personal with her and she's she's a beauty now we're at Federal Point Lighthouse. Now, before I start, I want to say I've been out to this place called Federal Point. If you're familiar with the Highway 421, well, it goes down toward Wilmington and through Carolina Beach and Cure Beach, and then, you know, uh, past the the Carolina Beach uh, Aquarium, I guess it's Carolina Beach Aquarium, and Fort Fisher, it's all down there, but then you get literally to the end of 421. The sign says 421 ends. I've been there a few times, um, and it ends at this boat dock and this boat dock this point is federal point well the water out there in front of this federal point is called the new inlet because at one time it was a new inlet now over the years there's actually been three different structures built to try to warn ships about the 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 treachery of new inlet but in 1814 um everybody was raising hell about the the problems here at new inlet and so in 1814 congress they decided to to put something permanent there well, in 1816, construction on the Federal Point Lighthouse started. This lighthouse was described as a conical brick beacon, and they say it was 40 feet tall. And if you noticed, I keep talking about this this lighthouse in the past tense. That's because when the Civil War came around, the Confederate governor, John W. Ellis, ordered that all the coastal lights be destroyed or rendered inoperable. And so Federal Point Lighthouse was pulled down in 1863. However, after the war in 1866, they replaced it with the new Federal Point Lighthouse. Well, eventually this lighthouse became in disrepair. And because of Baldhead Head Island, uh, or ba- old Baldy, they didn't really need this lighthouse anymore. And, and the new inlet had changed. And the last thing that was written about this lighthouse was that on August 23rd, 1881, it was destroyed by a fire. Now, Pamlico Point Shoal Lighthouse, and this is one of the ones I don't have much for. All I found was that it was authorized by Congress uh, in eighteen twenty eight and had a budget of five thousand dollars. I know that was too quick, and I'm sorry, but now let's move on to the Noose River light. In eighteen twenty seven Congress authorized a thirty five hundred dollars a thirty five hundred dollars budget for a, a light ship to go at the Noose River. Well, I guess somebody wanted something permanent there because in eighteen sixty two a new lighthouse was under construction in that area. And I say it was under construction because this was 1862, so the Civil War was going on. So it didn't get destroyed or anything, but they had to stop construction to go fight in the war. But after the war, they uh, recommenced and it got done pretty quick. And unfortunately, that's all I could find on the Neuse River Lighthouse. Oh, I did find that it was destroyed, but they don't know when. So there's no, no lighthouse at the Neuse River right now. All right, now we'll talk about the Roanoke Marshes Lighthouse. Now, I'll go ahead and say from the start, it was destroyed in 1955. But if you go down to Shallow Bag Bay, um, about 40 yards out, that's where the the Roanoke Marshes Lighthouse was. But it didn't look so much like a lighthouse. It was more like a, a regular house with a light on top of it, if that makes any sense. But this place was decommissioned in 1955 and sold to a private owner. Now, this private owner... Um, and this comes up again, but he wanted to move the lighthouse, I think, and one or two others, but he was literally going to move this, this lighthouse to a different place. And it wasn't as big a production as Hatteras, but cause like I said, it was a small like house, but, uh, he put it on a boat and tried to take it across the sound, but it fell into the sound and the house was lost. But the current Roanoke Marshes lighthouse was built and dedicated in 2004. Now there's Bodie Island lighthouse. Now, it's just south of Nags Head, and I have seen this. Yes, Bodie Island is an island, but I've seen this lighthouse because there's a, a little bridge going over to it. You don't have to drive on a ferry or ride on a ferry. You're not driving on a ferry, I guess. But, uh, yes, I've seen this lighthouse, and it's one of the handful I've seen, and it's it's very, very cool, and it, it's very unusual compared to all the other ones. So this lighthouse, the one I've seen, is the third one built in the area. The original one was built in 1847 on the south side of Oregon Inlet. Today, that area is known as Pea Island. Well, 12 years later, due to uh, a shitty foundation, they abandoned that lighthouse. And it was rebuilt in 1859. But in 1861, it was blown up by Confederates during the Civil War. But they rebuilt that old girl on the north side of the Oregon Inlet in 1872 and one cool fact about this lighthouse is it's got a black and white horizontal stripe structure well that's because it was built from leftover uh, building materials from cape hatteras lighthouse moving on price creek lighthouse so the the water between cape fear the, the mouth of the cape fear river and wilmington that's like the or used to be like a I i mentioned earlier a super highway for trade It's about 25 miles long, but it's a treacherous 25 miles. So for years, a lot of merchants really uh, raised hell about getting this area lit up. Um, So on August 14th, 1848, $35,000 was finally appropriated for seven beacons and one lightship in the area. And Price Creek Lighthouse is one of those beacons. Now, it was built completely out of brick, and it's 25 foot tall. Now, during the Civil War no they didn't get it blowed up and it wasn't destroyed actually it was dismantled partly not destroyed just kind of dismantled so after the war they decided it was pretty much just too costly to to fix it up and the best i could tell um this dismantled lighthouse is still sitting there today in disrepair now i did read that at one time a colonel j.s crawford this was 1947 uh, he was the owner of a three acre plot that included this lighthouse um, I'm sure since that was 1947, I'm sure that it's traded hands over the years, but obviously the state doesn't own it. Otherwise, um, it would probably probably be fixed up and maybe even one of our state parks, but it's not. Yeah, the bottom of my notes here say there is no public access to the lighthouse. All right, now let's talk about Oak Island Lighthouse. This lighthouse was built in 1958 and it cost $111,000. It was actually built to replace the lighthouse on Bald Head Island. It is 169 feet above water and the light can be seen for 24 miles. Now, I read that the tower is designed not to sway at all in 100 miles an hour wind. 100 mile per hour wind. I don't know. I didn't read any more about what that design is, but it's designed not to sway. So that's that's pretty good. If they could design a, a lighthouse to get up and walk the hell away from the ocean when the erosion got too bad, that would be awesome too. All right. Well, that's all I got on that uh wade point lighthouse some of these are gonna be rapid and again i'm i'm sorry but uh keep in mind what the names of them are and um i don't mean to sound like an ass but you know do your own research because i tried it and well researching is fun anyway it is for me but um i would love to hear some more about these lighthouses if you can track down something i know it's my job to give you the information but uh like i said this was some hard research anyway wade point Lighthouse. It was authorized by Congress in 1854 and had a $10,000 budget. The lighthouse itself was built in 1856. Well, in 1863, want to guess what was going on in 1863? The Civil War. Well, guerrillas burned it to the ground. In 1899, it was rebuilt. In 1919, an ice storm came along and damaged it pretty good. And during the 1920s, they got uh, money from Congress to fix the place back up again. And remember when I said a guy uh, moved that one lighthouse by boat and dropped it into the sound? Well, his name was Elijah Tate. He actually purchased three lighthouses. Like I said, it was Wade Point Lighthouse, and then the lighthouse at Roanoke Marshes, and the one at Roanoke River. Well, he lost two of them and sold the one that was at Roanoke River to a friend. Well, the Edenton Historical Commission bought the Roanoke River Lighthouse for $225,000 in 2007. And since then, it's been restored and opened to the public. Then we have the Hatter's Beacon. Now, it was established in 1855, and it was part of the, the Cape Hatteras light station. Now, the light from this this place could could reach out about nine miles. Now, it's no longer around today, and they really don't know what happened to it. They speculate that it was lost to the sea in 1898, but there's no definitive proof what happened to it. Um, because it was around in the 1890s, I guess you can't blame the Civil War for this one. Um, unless some late bloomers came and, and tore it down in the middle of the night and just got away scot-free, but they think uh, erosion was, was the cause of its disappearance. Then there's the North River Lighthouse. It was at the mouth of the North River over by the Albemarle Sound. Now, the folks who built this lighthouse got smart. The Civil War ended in 1865, and it was in 1865, June to be exact, that they decided to build a lighthouse at the mouth of the North River and the Albemarle Sound. Now, this new lighthouse would cost uh, $15,000. Now, when it was built, it was actually in three feet of water, so it was built on a sandbar. It's 35 foot tall and the light's visible for 10 miles. Unfortunately, in 1919, uh, the North River light was discontinued. In 1920, what was left of it was sold to Dare County. At that point, it was moved Rodanth or Rodanthi I think is actually how you pronounce it. It's uh, out there on Hatteras Island and it served as a school until 1951. Now it's still out there today but it's part of the Rodanthi Waves Salvo Community Center. Now let me officially talk about the Roanoke River Lighthouse. The reason I say officially is because I mentioned it a little while ago. Remember um, it got sold and all that. Well this is the official report on the, the Roanoke River Lighthouse. So in 1834, Congress provided a $10,000 uh, lightship at the mouth of the Roanoke River. This lightship was a 125 ton, three masted sailing ship, and it was stationed across Albemarle Sound from Edenton Bay. Now, this light vessel, this lightship, it was captured during the Civil War, but because it was a ship, it was useful, so it made it through the war. Now, after the war, in 1866, the government built a one and a half story screw pile lighthouse. And it was first lit in january of 1867 but it burned in 1885 but a new uh cottage style lighthouse is what they call it was built on that foundation in 1887 well the coast guard deactivated this lighthouse in 1941. in 1955 this lighthouse and two others were sold to elijah tate remember i was talking about him and he bought these lighthouses for ten dollars each which is that's insane But like I said, he was going to move these lighthouses on a barge and two of them, literally the barge tipped and dumped them. And so this lighthouse he sold and he sold it for $10. I mean, I would have asked for 12 to, you know, make a little profit, but he sold it for exactly what he paid for. it. So I guess he was a a fair enough guy. Well, the guy he sold it to successfully moved the lighthouse, this lighthouse over to Edenton in 1955. In 2003, Hurricane Isabel came through and it, it badly damaged the lighthouse. Well, remember how I said the lighthouse was initially built on a sandbar so it was like in water? Well, in May of 2012, the lighthouse was moved over the water just off Colonial Park. Now we're at Currituck Beach Lighthouse. Its light stands 150 feet above sea level and to the top of the roof it's 162 feet. And they say there's a million, approximately a million bricks in this lighthouse. Now, I know that may hint that it's really, really tall. I mean, it's tall, but the walls are five feet and eight inches thick. So it's a lot of bricks per square foot just in the wall. Now, this lighthouse is located 34 miles south of Cape Henry, Virginia. It was built in 1875, and it was the last major brick lighthouse built in the Outer Banks. And it, it was left brick. You know, normally they paint them white to to protect the lighthouse. This one was left brick, so it it's definitely um um easy to spot. You know, because it's a red lighthouse essentially. And I've been to this one. It's it's really pretty. The the yard, the, yard, the ground around the lighthouse is really pretty. It's a it's a, a great beachy area. I mean, uh, it's not just sitting on an island somewhere. And that's all I have about Currituck. I'd love to talk more about that one. Now, there's a a few other lighthouses I want to talk about, Um, and there's frying pan shoals, but I think I'm going to do an episode on it, so I'll have to wait on frying pan shoals. But don't worry, it's not your typical lighthouse anyway. But I want to finish this episode with the Cape Lookout Lighthouse. Now, it was built in the 1850s, and it's the second lighthouse to be in that spot. Around 1812, there was another lighthouse there, but it was only 96 feet tall, so they considered it to be ineffective for mariners. So the new lighthouse at Cape Lookout officially went in operation in 1859, but it didn't get that cool uh, paint job that it, that it has until 1873. Now, the reason it took so long to paint it, the Civil War. They were worried about it being destroyed, so they waited till after, well after the Civil War, to have it painted. And it's probably a good thing they waited because Union troops took over Beaufort and Moorhead City, which is the closest towns to it, in 1862, And in 1864, Confederate soldiers did indeed try to burn the structure down, but fortunately they were unsuccessful. And you can still see the light from Cape Lookout today. Well, actually, we used to vacation down on Emerald Isle and you could see the Cape Lookout light down there, but I haven't been down to Emerald Isle in a a very long time, so I can only assume that the light is still going round and round today. And that's all I really have on lighthouses. Now, I realize there's a few I didn't cover, um, and maybe I could have replaced some of them really short ones with some other ones, but the Carolina coast has always been a treacherous area, and we've always needed some some kind of signal and help out here, and that's why there's been so many, and if, uh, like I said, you do some research, you'll see you'll see some extensive lists of lightships, lighthouses, um, cottage-style lighthouses, and we, it, we still have a problem with it today. Boaters get stranded out on the outer banks all the time. But if you ever get a chance to go down and see this, see these colossal um, gatekeepers of the Outer Banks, I would definitely suggest it. Um, like I said, I'm not big on ferries, but uh, take your chances. Um, they're definitely worth it. It's it's very very cool because there's there's nothing like it anywhere else in the in the state. You know, you'll see radio towers, cell phone towers, but there's nothing like a, a lighthouse. But anyway, that's all I have. Uh, I didn't didn't do my regular intro stuff where I say welcome back. You know returning guest and welcome if you're new I want you to feel welcome but uh I knew this was going to be a long episode But uh for you people just showing up And it's your first episode if you did like it Definitely check me out at www.thenceverythingpodcast.com And uh there you can like I said find my old episodes And you can see the show notes And the show notes um it'll also have the episode But it'll have any pictures um with um That go with the episode and it'll have my sources. Now, on this episode, I'm I'm running behind this week. As a matter of fact, if it's Saturday, uh, August 21st, and you're listening to this episode, consider this. It's Friday, August 20th, and I'm sitting down here recording it. So I will put the show notes and pictures up um, of these lighthouses. It's probably going to be tomorrow or Sunday. Um, So definitely check back if you go to the show notes. I'll have a section for it, but if you go to the show notes and it's not showing anything, um, definitely check back. Hopefully I'll get uh, back in gear pretty soon um, Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the show And I, I hope you, if this is your first episode I hope uh, I hope you definitely check out some others I, I have uh, what I consider to be a lot better episodes um, But Kristen, I did enjoy the research on this I didn't know it was going to be that extensive And I had no idea we had that many lighthouses And like I said, I didn't quite name all of them um, But it was some fun research and, and definitely educational for me And I hope it was educational for you And with that being said, I'll talk to you next time. The music in this episode comes from archesaudio.com and freepd.com.